uh, shit that you know we don't we don't it's like and because I'm a comedian, it's like yeah, you're always expected like to, to be, be funny. funny, and it's not. I like I come at people for, from some real shit. Like what? So what's been bothering you lately? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I come from that perspective because I know that when I was dealing with shit, I used to always think that it was just me. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is so fucked up. Why am I going through this? And it's just not enough information out there. It's so much, like, perfect beauty. Everything's perfect. You look online, you look on social media, mm -hmm. you look at people's Instagrams, and you're like, oh, my God, their life is so amazing. Mm -hmm. But it's not. You know what I mean? They're mm -hmm. human. They go through the same shit. They mm -hmm. just look good in this particular setting. Mm -hmm. And I like when people can step outside of that setting and say, this no, is what it is. this is fucked up for me. Yeah. Because then it makes you feel like, oh, so even though you're that amazing superstar or you're that amazing person that looks like you have your life together, you still struggle. Yeah, I was talking to a, a TV executive and she was like, you know, you just seem like a really strong woman to me. Like, I, I just feel like you, you know, you just seem so powerful. I just can't see you not having it together. I said, who says that those two things are mutually exclusive? Right. Who says that you're not power? Like, there's there's nothing in me that believes that Michelle Obama doesn't have a rough day. There's nothing. <laughs> and that doesn't make her any less strong. Right. That doesn't make her any less amazing you know like you know yeah, yeah absolutely I, I think that's always been my issue with Beyonce Why? and I love Beyonce um she pretends to be perfect you think that's her image that's her brand her brand I mean I think she's I think in you know her most recent work she's tried to strip that away but it's always still so stylized I feel like Lemonade was a very good I, I thought it was yeah amazing. it was like here's but I'm, it was still stylized. It was still, it was still, it was still uh, very much branded and marketed. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It was still, I'm going to give you this the way I want to give it to you. Now, what about her HBO? Oh. Did you see that? Uh, yes, a complete fall, a complete <laughs> uh Fuckery, can I say that? Was it? I didn't see it, so I don't know what it. I can't speak on are you, it. But. Are, you are, you are you talking about the original documentary about her pregnancy, her first her pregnancy to, with Blue? Yeah, whatever her little HBO segment thing that she did that everybody was super excited to watch because it was like her laying on the floor in the camera and being very open and yeah. I only I'm only asking because you know she has a deal with HBO, so all of her visual work. Regard, like with her music it oh goes i didn't HBO know that first yeah nice. so everything like lemonade the visual album that was released on hbo first oh um or it was on title but it was it was on HBO. hbo yeah so but i know you're talking about the document because she she did that because all of those rumors about her not actually giving birth to blue because she went on that talk show and the prosthetic show you know what I'm saying right sort of separated and so she did that in an attempt to show some sort of vulnerability some sort, and I understand why she has to do that do you think she gave birth to blue no you don't mm -mm. you know I just have never thought about it <laughs> I ain't even thought about that woman's baby yeah like that. it doesn't matter <laughs> it doesn't matter except except it does because where's the trans? Where's the honesty with your with your? 
audience, I guess. You know, Beyonce's brand is she can do it all. And if you're a woman, you can have it all. You can be successful. You can have a family. You can have the business. You can have the empire. You know, and that, 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 I think that's lovely to see because especially as African American women, women, it's like we, we choose, we, we have to, we either have to choose to be submissive or ambitious, but there's no, do you get what I'm saying? The two don't, um, I guess, go hand in hand. And so I get why she's trying to paint that picture. Mm-hmm. However, there's also a lot of women who can't, who don't have that luxury, and they do have to choose. They wake up, you know, being, you know, a top executive somewhere, or, a, you know, and they don't have children, or they don't have a love life. That's a reality for them. Or there's people like... Like Angela Bassett, right? She was very open about her surrogate. Mm -hmm. But I think the reason why she was able to be open is because everybody knows Angela Bassett is older, you know? And so I think Beyonce, as a younger woman, um, I think it was... It's like, why do you need to do that? You're younger, you're... So it's a lot of judgment around it. Maybe I don't need to. Maybe I wanted to. Yeah. I'm I'm a pop star. But I guess the second question is, why does she even need to reveal that? I think because her life, as much as she tries to keep some of it private, it belongs to the public because the public is how you eat. Mm, that's a strong statement. You know, I don't know if I ever want my life to belong to the public. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it seems like it doesn't. But what what really happens is in order for her to eat, we have to buy her music. Yeah. And so not one person, I like, like, I'm not the sole reason that she can eat, but a million of me, or 10 million of me yeah. is the reason. And so, you know, we're the shareholders in the company that is Beyonce. I guess I can understand that from the perspective of you're saying that you don't have a surrogate. You're saying that you're carrying this baby yourself. Why lie? Just be honest. It's it's not a big deal. It's yeah. like, hey, I don't want to have a baby right now, but I want to have a baby. Yeah. So therefore, I'm going to yeah, extend this to somebody that I know can carry it for me while I still follow my dreams yeah. and do what I want to do. I guess coming out being very blatant like that probably would have been much more respected, but I don't know if it was Well, I'm going to be very honest. Let, let me just say I'm just saying I don't think so. I have no idea what happened. Right. So, but I think that when, I think a lot of people, but especially somebody who is as successful as Beyonce, she's going to get hit on both sides. No matter what. Yeah. It's like, oh, you didn't have that baby. You could have just said you had a surrogate. But if she came out and was like, yeah, you know, my career is very important to me and I'm not trying to, you know, put my body through this right now. So I got I got a surrogate. And then people would be like, who are you? to? Yeah. yeah. How dare you? So yeah. you you think singing is better than being a, the, you a know, mother? My, yeah. And carrying it's like, your child, the connection. Yeah. yeah. And so Those I think naysayers. she yeah, I think she would have gotten complaints, you know, both complaints and support. On both sides. No matter you know? what. Yeah, and so. Wow. Sometimes there's just nothing left to say. Sometimes Kelly will say it anyway. Sometimes there's just nothing left to say. But Kelly gon' Kelly gon' say it anyway. 
I want to thank our sponsors, She Funny, a platform created to encourage funny women of color to be empowered in their funny by offering various resources and online visibility. And also our friends here at Cards Against Humanity for their hospitality and donated studio space. I appreciate you both. Well, well, that voice you guys have been hearing is Zaynab <laughs> Johnson. She is my guest today on Kelly Talks. And I'm super, super excited to talk to this young lady. She has done so much stuff. We were just talking about her being in New York, filming something for VH1. Me and her was on the exact same season of Last Comic Standing. Um, back in my petty days, she got further than me. I was like, really? Really? <laughs> um, and let me tell you, I'm so petty. So I equated this to her. She went the night before me. You went Saturday night. Okay. I went Sunday night okay. in the first rounds. And I was like, we both got short hair. We're both black. She made it because they picked her on Saturday. Had I not got Sunday, I would, and I had given myself that story. Like, oh, wow. I really believed that had I come on Friday or had I come a day before, I would have gotten it. Yeah. Right? Thankfully, years later, I've started to look at my craft and just my existence a little differently. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, no. Maybe you weren't ready for that next step in yeah. comedy, but I had given myself that story. It was yeah. insane. I um, it's like I feel like we do that. Like that's protection. Yeah. You know, it's like we have to we have to make ourselves understand why it happened, and it can't be because you weren't good enough. You weren't good enough. That know? can't be the reason. Yeah, <laughs> and and that probably wasn't the reason. Yeah, you know. Um, but listen, girl, I was just as surprised as you and not <laughs> not even in a um, a low self-esteem sort of way. You know, just it's it's I was in the room that night when I taped with 20 other comedians who most of them had been doing comedy for 15, 20 yes. plus years. And they did not hesitate to let me know that. And I was sitting there um, having been three I think three and a half years in, just happy to be there. Right. You know, I was not conscious about having a, sh a shaved head. I was not, th that never factored into the equation to mm -hmm. me. It never factored in that, okay, I'm a black woman in a room and there's, n there's one other black woman. So it's going to be like that never factored into me. I was just like, remember those five minutes or four minutes, however, you know, like just remember it and you're going on close to last, so just try and muster up your energy because I'm a low energy type of person. Mm -hmm. So it's like just that was my story, and that's a beautiful thing though that your story was more focused on what you can do to make it the best experience for you versus any external factors. Yeah, and that's what life is about. Yeah. It's about focusing on what can I do individually to make this the most powerful experience that I've ever had. Yeah, but we don't do that. We look outwardly and say. If this wasn't here, it's conditionally for us. It's yeah. always conditional or circumstances or situations. Yeah. But I totally agree with you that that was a beautiful way to approach it. I wish that I could not care about everything because I'm much better when I don't care. Yeah. And and I don't mean like not so much. Or you about care people. more about you or what you need versus that external. No, like I just didn't think I was going to win. And so because I didn't think oh. I was going to win, I didn't give a fuck. Got and so you. that gave me freedom. There was no stakes. Just, it was no It was no <laughs> yeah. stakes for me. It was yeah. like I'm just here, I'm going to have a good time. And so then when I advanced, then I got the thought, then I had the thought, "Oh, I could win." 
and I started to care. And that made the experience and the process less fun because now I started picking everything apart. I was writing and rewriting. I was trying to do things right. I started to pay attention. Okay, who did they pick? Well, how many black women? How many? You know what I'm saying? I started to pay attention to stuff like that. And, you know, I just I, I notice, especially when it comes to me performing, when I don't care, I am at my best. Yeah, I have so much fun when I get on stage yeah. where I don't feel like the the performance equals anything. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like last night, for example, yeah. at Laugh Factor, we had a lot of fun. Yeah, we just went. The crowd was ready. They yeah. were excited to be there. We were excited to be there, and it just turned out to be a great show from beginning to end. Yeah, but had NBC been in the back of that room or somebody else watching us taking notes, then it'd yeah. been a oh my god, oh my god, you know. And it's yeah. just like, why does that even matter? And I'm starting to realize that in my career like just doing things my way and enjoying the process of it all versus getting so caught up in the end result yeah because the end result is not even the re- the end that we necessarily are looking for most times yeah it turns out to be something completely different so yes guys i have that's who i have on the podcast today <laughs> um she has so many more credits you guys can look her up um i'm ready to dig right into because we've talked a lot about beyonce um, and other random you know when stuff. I, I realized you were recording i was like oh why why am i talking about this? why are we talking about beyonce right now <laughs> so i want to dive into some she has a very interesting life like the fact that uh you grew up with 12 siblings right yes well, mm-hmm. tell me about that. How was that? Um, First of all, what number were you? I'm fifth from the top. So there's four older than me. There's eight younger than me. Um, fifth from the top. You said that a lot because yeah. it was so it was so in- fifth from the top fifth from the top because <laughs> people ask. I mean, there's certain questions that are just there's like three main questions that, you know, come along with that. Like, it's like, oh, my God. So do you know everybody's names? You know, like what's that? Can you say everybody's names? Because we all have like Muslim names. So it's like, can you say everybody's names? People always say, oh, my God, where do you fall? And then people say your parents were really haven't said like they, they were getting yeah it. at least like, 13 times exactly exactly give me the give me the names i need to now just because you you said it so what are the names of your siblings uh from top to bottom uh, walida nubia walid abdul halim zainab abdul warith muammar abdul wahid muhammad misra sultana muslima jabril Wow. And those are all beautiful names. Thank you. They're all beautiful. That is so, and you grew up Muslim. I grew up Muslim. I grew up in New York City. Um, Brooklyn. I was born in Brooklyn, but I grew up in Harlem. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you got a little bit of Jay-Z and a little bit of Nas. Yeah. Uh, Nas is from Queens. So. Oh, you see, I don't know where I'm from. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> what is happening? No, but I do. I definitely look at Brooklyn and Harlem like the of the mix of those two is like the best of both worlds. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Is that kind of like the south side and the north side of Chicago? Like the hood and then the more up, upper echelon? Or how is that? No, no, it's not. Because there's, you know, Brooklyn. Uh, I think the thing that people don't understand about New York is it's broken up into boroughs and so new york city is five boroughs which is manhattan brooklyn queens the bronx and staten island and each of those places have their you know ghettos and their affluent neighborhoods you know and so within it yeah. yeah and so i was born in the ghetto of brooklyn and i grew up in the ghetto that is known as Harlem, you know, like so I moved so, from one ghetto to another. Yeah. And or the hood, you know. Um yeah. And Wow. So now you grew up Muslim. How how did that differ from you? Did you have friends that weren't Muslim that were like Absolutely. Most of my friends growing up and my friends now are not Muslim. You know, I went to public school. So right. 
and I and I was I was in a gifted and talented program, so most of my friends were Jewish. Does Jew- not surprise me. <laughs> were, were Jewish kids, you know. Okay. Um, and most of the people around me now are Jewish kids <laughs> <laughs> that are adults. Um, so I, I mean, I think it was always like that was always different, mm-hmm. you know, like um, because I covered up. Growing so up, you did cover up. Yeah, up. so I covered up, and so that sort of invited a little bit of teasing um, from like my peers. But but I still made friends. Like I had no problem making friends. I mean, I've never. When I think back to all my childhood friends, I never had a friend ask me like, you know, why do you do this or why do you do that. I think everybody. I think they just tried to like share their practices with me, with no question of what my practice is. Like, yeah, Zainab covers her hair, but. I mean, can she come over for Christmas? You know, like. <laughs> right. It wasn't a big deal. Yeah. So now you just covered your hair. You didn't cover your full face. Though. No, I didn't cover my face. I didn't wear um, a burka. Okay. But that is a common thing, though. That is a common thing. Yeah. I think that that is definitely a common thing. Me, nor any of my sisters, nor my mom, we didn't wear a burka. But we did cover up, like, only thing we didn't cover was our face. So we had to cover down to our ankles, down to our wrists, you know, our head, our, our heads, our necks. But our face was always exposed. Do you find yourself still somewhat following those practices even today as you dress and stuff? Do you, like, try to cover up and be a little bit more discreet? Or do you just be like, yo? Yeah, I think I'm, I'm just naturally a more conservative um, dresser. Just because I think there's class in that, you know. I think there's a bit of class in the unseen. Um, I don't know if it's. I'm not sure. Like I'm not sure. You know, it's always that question of like nature versus nurture. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't know if I was just born this way or because I grew up covering. I I, I honestly think it's just who I am because I feel like what happens a lot is when you grow up in sort of a really strict environment, the moment you get freedom, you go opposite that. Like, even if I take it out the context of being Muslim, if you think about, like, a preacher's kid. Yeah. You know, normally when they get out the church, they're like, they have this aversion to the church, you know, because they've been taught so much and exposed to so much within the church. But both it's... It's uh, it's a curiosity of more. It's more out here. How can yeah, I find it? Yeah, yeah. And when you are so, like, when it's so embedded in you, I think you're more exposed to the hypocrisy of it. And so yeah. that makes you rebel right. a, a little bit. Um, and I think I, I I think I had a phase like that. But I'm all I I think I'm more comfortable, just a little bit conservative. Yeah, I don't have to worry about like I I sit with my legs open. I couldn't do that if like my vagina was out all the time. <laughs> you know, that's funny. I'd have to be really conscious of crossing my legs. So you don't talk that much though about you. You briefly mentioned it um, in your set this past week at Zany's about being Muslim. You don't yeah. talk a lot about that in your stand up. I do actually. Um, so just in that particular set, you only did that little. Yeah. Did you Did you see the entire set? Um, I came in, you were already on stage, but they said you'd only, you'd just gotten up there. So I only saw the part about you talking about, uh, during Ramadan. Oh, um. But it was a short, it was probably like maybe four to five minutes of your set, if that. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I guess I don't. I guess I never do like a whole set about being. I mean, for forty five minutes. That's no. a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I give. It's almost like I don't talk about being one of thirteen for like twenty minutes. You know. Yeah. You I just give you. I just give you enough for you to understand the context. You know, I just give you enough context so you understand. Now, everything that I'm going to say comes from the perspective of this person, this this woman that is a part of this clan, that is, <laughs> that is you know, that is a believer in this faith. Yeah. That these, let me give you brief insight into certain experiences. So now when I talk about my present world, you understand. A little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. like when I start at the top of the show, like, yo, my husband's Asian. Yeah, And I exactly. got two 16-year-old kids. Exactly. Now let me tell you about this life I'm living. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Um, so now do you feel like being Muslim, and not, not to stay on this, but this is just so curious to me. Because oh, I've never, I, I've never like... We could talk about anything and everything for as long or as short as you want. Because <laughs> it's just so interesting to me. I've never like really been around somebody that practiced Islam at, as, as a you know a consistent basis and grew up that way and really knows about it to the extent that you do. And I'm just wondering in comedy, mm-hmm. like was that an issue when you first decided? Because I always see Muslim women to be very they have very specific roles that mm-hmm. they tend to play, and mm-hmm. you have diverted from that completely. Yeah, and I think in my life period, like, I obviously don't cover up anymore. Um, I think that, you know, I, I recognize that. Not to cut you off, is that ever an issue? Being Muslim and comedian? No, and not comedian. covering up. Is that ever an issue, like, with your family or anybody? That uh, not not with my family, because most of my family doesn't cover up either. Oh, okay. But I've, there's been times where I'll go to Juma, which is Friday prayer, and I won't be dressed in the way, like, Let's say I'm dressed the way that I am now, and so Kelly, you see me. I'm pretty covered up. Yeah, but I have. She has on a gray long sleeve sweater. Yeah, and I have on like almost like baggy fit jeans yeah. and sneakers, but I have rips in the knees of these jeans. Oh, and that's considered exposed. Yeah, and so I because I'm having an entire day, but I stop the day to go to. It's not like you know in church or Sabbath where those days are already given off. Friday, that's the middle of a business day, you know, and so I stop what I'm doing to go to Juma. And so I may not have on the clothing that is most appropriate. Mm-hmm. I try to cover up as best as possible. But I've had women in, in, in mosques pull me to the side and tell me I'm inappropriately dressed just because my, my knees are out or just because I have red toenail polish. Oh, wow. You know, my mom my used feet. to tell me about red polish. She's yeah. like, only only hoes and prostitutes wear red nail polish. That's yeah. what she would say to me. Yeah. And like, it could be any color. It could be white. Oh, you really? Know? Yeah. It could be any color. It could be a dark color. Like, you, you, you know, and I and I always look at them and I say, my focus was getting here today. You know? I love that. And so we could focus on these rips in my jeans and the fact that I pay to get a pedicure or you can recognize that I made it my business to be here. I you love know? that. And so and I say it very matter of factly. I don't say it like this is about to be an ongoing conversation. Right. My undertone is also mind your business <laughs> <laughs> you heard what i said you know and that's that um so how long have you been doing stand-up in august it made seven years seven years yeah oh wow yeah i didn't know you were so new 
Okay. Yeah. You like seven years, bitch. I've been doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm. I'm. You speaking from? I'll be. It'll be. Twelve. Okay. Years for me in okay. June. I think I started in twenty. Oh six. Okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be twelve years in June. Okay. So yeah, I didn't know you were that much younger than me when I. Yeah, which is why when I, which is why now you understand my thought process in last conversation. I'm like, I'm here, y'all. Like this this is fun. Yeah. Like I, like I'm in here with like professional comics. They told me I couldn't be a professional until I was like five years in. So. And they give you these timelines, which I think starts to mess with us mentally. Like, oh. Oh, th- ten years. Oh, that's when I'm supposed to get serious. Oh, yeah. this. T- oh, that's when I'm supposed to. And you and you embed these timelines, and you start believing that this is the process when it's not. It's just yeah. whatever you make the process to be. Yeah, I think you have to be active in your ambition. Yeah, you know, and persistent. But I def, I definitely. I mean, like you know, like we're just talking about. I truly believe in a higher power, mm-hmm. and I and I believe that. You know, I'm going to do everything in my power that I can do. But then there's there's a higher being that's, that's having things operate. Do you get what I'm saying? And so certain things are out of my control, and, and I'm okay with that. You know? Right. Like, I, I really do When you try say certain and, things are out of what do you believe is out of your control? Specific, like one specific thing that you would say is not in your control. What anybody else does. I like that. Yeah. You know, like... I can, I always think about that when I'm driving. Like the only car that I can control is mine. Exactly. You know, and so I'm I'm not going to hit you, but I can't stop you from hitting me. Yeah. You know, you know? Mm-hmm. and not, you know, and so that's, that that's just what I try to keep in mind, you know, be mindful of, especially in this business, you know, because, a lot of people make decisions that affect you, mm-hmm. you know, and so I just try my best to whatever I'm doing that affects me. I, I try and make the best decision, but I also know there's people that make decisions that directly affect me, and there's nothing I can do about it. You know, I can't. All I can do is. Be the best that I can be. Show up and be the best. Yeah, in any one moment, in any given moment. Try my best to enjoy the moment as it's happening, whatever that is. And then and then be done with it, you know? Yeah, you're a pretty roll with the flow type person. I, I must say I... Oh, th- that's it. But to be very honest with you, that's not my first thought. That's not my natural thought. <laughs> I want to control. Yeah. I want it to go how I want it to go. Yeah. But... You know, too many experiences of it not going that way. You just you just have to like sit back and be like, am I going to be miserable and focus on why it didn't go how I wanted it to go? Or am I just going to try and go into every situation with the understanding that I have a role in this and I'm I'm going to fulfill my role. My role. Exactly. Independently of anybody else's. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, so I know you was a teacher first, right? So you graduated from what college? City College in New York. Okay, and mm-hmm. then you went on to teach what grade level? Uh, I taught first through fifth grade um, science, and then I taught fifth grade kind of like all subjects. But when I graduated from college, it was a I studied math. Okay. Yeah. So. And then you just said, "Fuck this! I'm going to do stand up." Yeah. So what happened is at the end of when you're getting a a deg- like. 
students. In order for me to teach, I had to do like student teaching for the last uh, semester of my college education, my undergrad. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that like I went to grad school. I didn't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I just was trying to be clear in what I was saying. Um, so I did student teaching. And at the time, my the teacher that I was working with, he was hired to do the um, to write one of the math, the new math textbooks for oh, wow. like fifth and sixth grade. And so that pulled him out of the classroom. And so instead of looking for a replacement teacher, it's like, oh, okay, well, she was in this classroom for this the past, this past semester. And now she's now she's graduated. She's got her, uh, you know, she's certified. She just fell into a job. Yeah. Nice. And so, and so, but it wasn't long because I, my kids were great. I was in a charter school. And so they were, um, their parents were very active. You know, my daughter uh, went not a charter school, charge. a lottery. Uh, yeah, like a, a lottery selective school. Enrollment. Yeah. yeah, and so that means parents are really working hard. They care to yeah, yeah. To, to to get you in there. And so I had some really bright uh, kids and some really diverse kids, and um, they were great. You know, sometimes you have like these epiphanies, and it's in a moment where everything is crashing and burning. Mm-hmm. And this wasn't the case. They they it, they were actually lovely. That day I stood there and didn't have to do anything. And so I had a moment to think. Like, because I wasn't working, I was just in, like, thought. And I was like, I got to go. Like, and, I, I got to go. And comedy was the first thought? No, no. I, I moved to L.A. I'm, I'm, I've, I've almost been in L.A. for 10 years. So I did, I was in L.A. living there for, like, three years just trying to be an actress. Oh, okay. And then, and then one day I was working for a friend of mine. And working for him was not good for the friendship. <laughs> I can see that. You that, know, that happens sometimes. That's <laughs> the best way that I could put it. Very, very respectfully. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> and the day that I quit, I was like, I, he, he, he produced comedy shows. Okay. And so I was around it a lot. And so the day I quit, I was like, I think I got a lot to say. Where can I say it? <laughs> And I, you know, looked for an open mic around my house and I went to an open mic and and I said some I said what I believed to be was funny. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember I had a joke about him being like passive aggressive. <laughs> um, and and so I don't know. I can't remember. the joke, But I remember talking about him being passive aggressive. And yeah, and it started there. And I haven't stopped since I haven't stopped since that day. How did that day go? Do you remember? It went well. Yeah. Yeah, it went well. And I remember, like, I, I, I talked about him being passive aggressive. I talked about, like, Muslims not eating pork, like, how you could be, like, real hard, like a thug. Like, yeah, you know, like, I murdered two people, but I ain't fucking with that swine. Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> That's such I, a real thing, too. You know? Um, My cousins were not Muslims, but they were... Uh, <laughs> like, five percenters? They, no? No, that, that's... I guess you could call them five percenters. They were Blackstones, so uh, they were gangbangers. Okay. <laughs> but part of that gangbang was yeah. don't eat pork. Yeah. So yeah. Hilarious. <laughs> Hilarious. I was like, I don't know if you call them five percenters, but they in jail now. But uh. Hilarious. <laughs> you know, a lot of African American men, especially, get converted to Islam in jail. Yeah. I mean, it's the Malcolm X way, right? Well, he was a Blackstone before jail, so yeah. maybe he is. Uh, you know, yeah. I don't know. I haven't seen yeah. him in years. He has life. So, oh, your cousin. I thought you were talking about Malcolm X. I was supposed to say, wait, this took a turn. <laughs> no. Is Malcolm, Malcolm X, is he Tupac, back? Machiavelli in it? <laughs> wait a minute. No, my cousin has life in prison. But um, yeah, people laughed. They laughed. And, and you know, people don't laugh at open mics. So it's yeah. comics that want you to shut up, get off stage. So they can get their so turn. So that they can get their turn. And yeah. they don't want you to be funnier than them. But people laughed and, 
And I was like, oh, shit. You know how you realize, like, wait a minute. I might have something. Here. Yeah. And so I just kept sort of exploring, and I'm here. So you're a writer at heart, right? You write more than you do anything, because I heard you talking about your shows and stuff that you're trying to pitch, so you like to write, I'm assuming. I just got into writing, actually. Oh. And, and it, it came from, That's I never thought. Assume. That's why you don't assume. <laughs> it's all good. It's, it's like... <laughs> Um, people would come up to me after I would do my sets and they would be like, who writes for you? And I would be like, what? Like, I was so naive, you know, like, write for me. I thought the whole point of stand-up was because it's you. It's like... Nah, not in L.A. Niggas got ghostwriters. You know, I mean, but that's probably a lot of places. I know when we say L.A. Chicago, it's not that. It's not so common. Like, okay. you see the grind out here. You see the hustle of comics working. They'll do, uh, they'll do like sessions writing yeah. sessions you'll see people write together yeah but there's nobody writing low-key for somebody else and you thought that they the person that wrote that joke yeah it's not like that that's very common in LA though I mean I get I get like when you are a tv personality and you have to come up with stuff every single day then you need a team of writers mm -hmm. or even like when you're taping a special like yeah these are my thoughts but people you know comedians like your friends punch it up they do yeah I understand that, but, like, to just straight up write my set, that just seems like, well, then aren't I doing a monologue? <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? Like, that just seems strange to me. And so when people started asking me that, and I was like, no, I write myself. And they would be like, oh, okay, well, did you think about writing this? Or do you have a, you know, it made people more interested in me writing. And I was like, oh, maybe I should write, you know? And then in the process of... Last year, I um, sold the show to ABC that, you know, they passed on a few months ago in the development. They developed it a bit, and then they passed on it, which was a very interesting experience. Do they pay for that when they do that? Do they pay you until they pass, or how does that work? Yeah, when it's in development, they, okay. they, 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 they pay you. I mean, hopefully if you work that out in your deal. Right, and you'd be like, it's, we're just going to develop it for free because yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, <laughs> no. But I mean, you know, sometimes the money is so little, you feel like it's for free. Right. You know, after everybody takes their cut. Yeah. Um. So it's all about what you work out. That's legal stuff, yeah. you know. Um, but um, I had a showrunner, and it's, and we, um, so it was my story. In cre I got the story credit and the created by credit, but he got this uh, teleplay credit, meaning he wrote the actual pilot script. Okay. And, and I noticed in him writing the pilot script that he couldn't really write for my characters. Okay. He could write the story and the structure and all of that, but whenever I read it, I'm like, my characters don't sound like this, you this know? Isn't the voice. Yeah. yeah. And so it sort of made me feel like, you know, a year ago, I felt like he was more qualified than me to write my story. And through that experience, wow. you know, just because he had been writing on shows for 20 years. You just made a very powerful statement, though, right there. I don't even know if you realized how powerful that was like a year ago he was more qualified to write my story and I think a lot of new talent we do that yeah we look to somebody that has these credits yeah the prestige and we say oh I need him to help me make this great yeah. versus knowing that you're coming in with greatness and that yeah. you have a story to tell you just need the formula of how to tell it because yeah. it's already in you and I think he could have helped me in a different 
like he does have a certain amount of expertise mm-hmm. and so which is valuable and so but I need to write the story I need to write it and then somebody him or someone else can come in and fix it with the, the, do you get what I'm saying yeah. it's almost like it's like if you're an athlete and you're naturally talented like no I know how to I know how to shoot the ball. I know how to dribble. I know how to do that. For some reason, this was like what God gave me. Right. But then a coach comes in and he makes it consistent. He yeah. makes it so that you can do it on cue. Yeah. He makes it so. Do you get what I'm saying? Absolutely. And so he, he makes it so that it fits your talent, fits within the guideline, the parameters of the game. Yeah. And so through that experience, that's what I learned. Like nobody's going to be able to tell this better than me. Right. But there's going to be people that are that are going to, you know, get it once I'm done with it and say, OK, but you, you know what I'm saying? You this is this what, this yeah, this, yeah, this is what, uh, you know, a single camera script actually looks. This is what, do you get yeah. what I'm saying? This is actually how you format this. How about you put this scene that this is why this will be more powerful or here. more funny here. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and I realized, but I, I don't know if I would have ever it took me having that experience to get to get to this and that's the reason why every up and down i appreciate because all my experiences they get me to where i am today mm-hmm. that process you know in the moment to be very honest with you kelly it's like fuck i want it you know when you think you're about to be rich and famous and then one day they call you like it ain't going to happen today it ain't, it ain't today ain't the day <laughs> today ain't the day you like damn you I know? was just I, just I was just talking to some people about that I was like I have to find cuz I'm trying to figure out a way to write a joke where I'm talking about how when you're in the middle of the crisis cuz you know you always learn something from it and I'm like, how do you figure out how to be in the middle of the crisis and to be? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm learning so much right now. Yeah. How do you get that brain to be there? Because right now we're in the middle of the crisis. It's just shit show. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. this is so fucked up. It's so much going on. I can't think straight. And then three months later, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that makes so much sense. Yeah. But how do you figure out that oh, in it? I mean, I'm still working. On <laughs> you know it. what I mean? Like, yeah. I want to figure it out in it while I'm going through it and I'm actually proud of us today with how we dealt with heads up guys so this guy tried to run us off the road and um it was insane it was insane road rage with Zaynab in the car this morning my husband was in the car I stopped for this lady to walk across the street to get on the bus that had stopped and it was a van behind us hunking and snapping and finally when he got a chance to get around us he jumped in front of us and stopped and got out the car and started walking towards the window, yelling at us. And I'm like, dude, I just was letting the lady cross the street. Yeah, he was crazy. To get on the bus. Like, that was me doing my, my job as a citizen yeah. to make sure that she was okay. And the beautiful thing about it is this is about how calm I was yeah. during the interaction. That, I would say, is a moment of realizing it in the because normally that would have been a yeah you were very calm and what I I was trying to figure out because I'm like a balancing person and so your husband was ready he had why did Mike (laughs) y'all Mike jumped out the car we had a can of fix a fix a flat on the side of the door he grabbed the fix a flat (laughs) and was heading towards the dude with the can I was like what are you gonna do with the can of fix a flat but he was gonna hit this man yeah he he was ready but you know what's so interesting if you if you actually like take a step back and look at that situation. That guy was honking at us because we stopped. So you assume that he's honking erratically like that because he's in a, a rush. rush. 
But how much of a rush were you in when the moment you got to, you, you stopped now to have an altercation? It's like, sir, I thought you had somewhere to be. Yeah. And now you got five minutes yeah, to come but and now my you ass. Got, yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's, and that's I mean, I, I wonder if he even got that. Do you get what I'm of saying? Of course he didn't. Like, of course he didn't. Come on now. That's why we having this conversation. Moving on. Oh, my God. Okay. So what is your ultimate goal for comedy in your career? What do you, what do you see yourself in, let's say, 10 years? Um, I, I always want to be doing comedy. Like I always want to be doing stand up. I would love ten years from now to like be uh, a person that can sell out theaters with no problem. Right. Um, Just list it on the name and then it's yeah, gone. Yeah, yeah, like a household name. Yeah. I, I definitely want that. I would. I you know I'd love for my show to be like in syndication. Um, and ten years from now, I'm hoping to like have a, a like probably a talk show. Oh yeah. Yeah. Nice. A talk show and just like and just just you know absolutely yeah nothing nothing I don't want to say major because I think that that's major but I just everybody's I, level of success is different though so. yeah I just in t- ten years from now I'd like I'd like to be on the road but in a very different way that I'm on the road now um, not exhaustingly on the road but yeah. on the road performing and still enjoying life yeah. in the process of it. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. is the hustle part of the road. Yeah. And I love it. It builds character. It builds material. Um, and I talk to, like, my like features and stuff like that. And let me just tell you, like, the things that comedians do to get stage time. And so whenever – this is just a PSA now. If you're <laughs> in the audience, if you are in the audience watching a comedian – don't give courtesy laughs and or be patient because when we're up there, you don't you don't know what that comedian did to get on that stage yeah. that night. Like you have no idea. They may not be getting paid. They they may have driven seven hours to get that ten minute spot to and somebody might have pro- yes and somebody might have promised them gas money and when they showed up they ain't getting the gas. Like you have no idea yeah it's definitely a, a, a hustle you have to be you have to have a hustle mentality and com- unless you i mean you have the tv comics now i mean not the tv but the internet comics now that you know you throw something on youtube or you throw something on vine or you throw something yeah. on instagram and you have that in-house made type of thing yeah but the role comedy the stand-up comedy the out at the clubs comedy is still a very hustle hustle yeah, game. And I tell people this all the time. Um, you know, it's so different to to perform. I, I hope ten years from now, I'm performing in front of fans. Yeah, does that make sense? Instead of just patrons, absolutely. Yeah, because I, I mean, I love performing in front of strangers, like because I'm built, like I'm I'm making fans. But what happens is I have to prove myself. Yeah. Versus like when you walk out on stage and they're there because they love you or they laugh at you coughing. You know. Yeah. And yeah. You know. <laughs> it's like. I mean, but I, I still want, like, real guests. Like, I remember when I saw um, Martin Lawrence do stand-up for the first time since he had been this big movie star, you know, and which was, like, a couple of years ago. I don't know, maybe, like, seven years ago at this point, seven or eight years ago. And I love Martin. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I grew up on Martin. I love Martin. But, I mean, some of his jokes were... Not great. It was like, eh. and <laughs> my natural reaction was like, it like in mo- one moment I was laughing, I would be like, ha ha, and then I would be like, eh. Mm. I feel like as comedians though, we're Martin, a little bit more critical. But I don't think I was a comedian at the time. Oh yeah, seven years ago, you, you were know? just thinking yeah. about comedy. That's so, true. I, but my natural reaction was like, you could do better. 
you know? And so I, I, what I'm saying that to say I would never want my fans to be rocking with me. It's like this. I'm a huge, just a full circle, Beyonce. I'm a huge fan of Beyonce. Huge, huge, huge fan of Beyonce's music. Mm-hmm. Um, but if Beyonce comes out and she doesn't sound good, I'm, go- I'm not going to be like, that's right, girl. You. I'm not going to be like, she, sound- she was amazing because she but, wasn't. Right. Do you get what I'm saying? I'm going to say I love Beyonce, but I was disappointed. In that particular, in that particular moment or performance, you yeah. know what I'm saying. And so I would, I, I want my fans to always be real. I, it, it irks me. It irks me when I'm at a take, like when I'm around people and they're like, "Yeah, did you see this? It was great." I feel like I'm in an alternate universe. Yeah, you know, like I feel like I'm on an island of sane of the sane world, and then and then I'm existing in a world full of ins- insanity. Yeah, minions. Uh, it's like what. Yeah. What that wasn't great. Yeah. What are you looking at? What yeah. would you but I, then you know you 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 ask yourself is that just perspective though? Yeah. You know because people can honestly like something and be like, "Oh my god, this is For instance, when Hey Ya, <laughs> the song Hey Ya. Hey, hey Ya. Oh, oh. Yeah. yeah, when that first came out, people hated it. Okay. They was like, "What is this shit?" I don't like this. This is a crazy insane song, and I recently read a book that talked about how to commercialize things like that. And they would sandwich Hey Ya in between very popular songs that kind of sounded like it in order to keep you in the mindset of enjoying it. So you would have a song that you really, really liked, Mm -hmm. like say uh, Beyonce's um, Drunk in Love, Mm -hmm. right? You play Beyonce's Drunk in Love, then you play Hey Ya right after it. And it makes people like Hey Ya because they like drunken love mm. and partnering it up together eventually made Hey Ya mm-hmm. one of the top selling songs in the world. And that now I understand why people don't like to listen to radio and stuff like that, because it's like force fed to you. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, I don't want to like something because you've figured out a formula to make me like in it. In my that, mind. <laughs> yeah. That's like, that's like subliminal you know fuckery yeah Yeah. I want to just like something because I genuinely like it and I recognize the effect of the radio like you could hear something you hear it the first time you're like what is this and then you Mm -hmm. hear it the 40th time you're like I guess I like it now (laughs) because they've played it 40 times you know but yeah I just I just like me I just like genuine connection isn't that the entire isn't that what we're fit like the media we're fed constantly anyway though whether it's the radio whether it's tv whether it's instagram we're fed to like certain things whether it's google and you were looking for a pair of boots and then next thing you know you're on a blog three days later and those same boots is up in your oh they don't even wait three days they don't it's it's like literally you can look at something on your computer and then the moment you open up your instagram on your phone and ad there is there i'm like it's insane this is offensive actually yeah and i tell instagram that every day this ad offends me (laughs) so force bet (laughs) um so what is the one thing that you will absolutely not talk about on stage i don't think that there is one thing that i won't talk about on stage I'll, I'll talk about pretty much anything if it if it exists in my life I'll mm-hmm. talk about it I'm not a huge sex talker on stage like you probably not going to hear me reference like my vagina or my like sexual activities too much I might talk talk about masturbation soon because you know I'm a woman I like I'm in my 30s and I just masturbated for the first time two months ago 
for the first time Ever for the first I. why was this not earlier in the podcast we gotta go now <laughs> and we cannot talk about this experience in depth like i would want to <laughs> but but the one thing that i do i'm very mindful of on stage and i don't think i think i'm more mindful of this because i watch people black comedians african-american comedians specifically not be mindful of this i am most likely not going to tear down black people on stage uh-huh that I'm very conscious of that. Um, I'll talk about some truth, some true shit that mm-hmm. we, ex- you know, like I talk about some things that I don't like in terms of my obligation to the black community. But I, I do not think that it is funny, especially in front of a crowd that is not black. Yeah, I don't go that route, yeah. and I'm very conscious. I appreciate of that, that too. So yeah, I think when I first started dating my husband, I used to do a joke where I was like. Um, I got an Asian husband Mm -hmm. and I would talk about black men and I would say, now I'm not saying that all black men ain't shit. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying the black men I dated weren't Mm -hmm. shit. You know what I mean? Like these Mm -hmm. are the kind of men that I dealt with, but I was very conscious of making sure I made that distinction because as a black woman dating somebody outside of your race, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the worst to get up there and say, Black men ain't shit. Yeah. And this is why I moved on, which yeah. is not the case at all, because my husband just happened to be somebody I fell in love with. It wasn't yeah. even a color thing. Yeah. Me trying to shift races and say, ooh, let me try this one, because the yeah. one I've been dealing with has been shitty. And I think that's something that we do naturally, because we are taught, especially in certain, you came up in a household of 13 other black people, mm-hmm. you know, which I would assume would be a huge connection of how to relate to but you and my dad he was a he was a part of the nation of islam and so that's huge black you know black pride was big in my house i remember just trying to watch tv i wanted to watch full house and my mom was like if you don't cut that white shit off wow (laughs) and exactly like that if you don't turn on the cosby show (laughs) it's like i'm gonna watch that too but i gotta know what dj is doing (laughs) you know i gotta know what like I want to know what they doing in Full House, too. And my mom was like that. Like anything that was like just completely like a white landscape, she was like, that's Nuh-uh. what we're not doing wow. in this house. And so I'm and I'm not even like conscious. Like I actually get I actually sort of go away from that. You know, when I had the shaved head and and I wear an afro now, people really expect me to be like like. You know, like the conscious sister. I'm woke. You know, right. and it's like, no, I'm aware, but I also and I and I'm 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 I love all people, yeah. but I love my people, yeah. and I love and most importantly, I love myself, and me loving myself that will always be reflected. So I cannot talk about black women in a way without talking about myself. I can't talk about black men in a way without talking about my father, without talking about my brothers. Wow. And so I'm very conscious of that. You know what I'm saying? And even as like just a person, let's say a writer. I'm sorry. I know we we have to go. But even just as a writer, if you said, you know, okay, I want to talk about these men. It's like, all right, besides them being black, what was the thing that didn't work out about them? Mm -hmm. And that's probably where the story is. Right. You get what I'm saying? Not the fact that black men ain't shit. Because guess what? People ain't shit. Right. People. All shapes, sizes, colors, creeds. 
sexist. You know what I'm saying? It don't matter who it is. Yeah. yeah. I've had shit. my issues with my husband. He's not perfect. You know? yeah. He do shit that I'd be like, really, nigga? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, And it's just a part of who yeah. he is and who we are as humans. Yeah. We're so. made imperfectly, which is perfect. We're yeah. perfectly imperfect. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm going to skip these last two questions and get right down to my final four, which but is But I want to hear questions. the questions. Uh, well, the two questions would have been, um, what is the most interesting thing you've ever done in your career to date? Okay. Uh, and what is your trigger in life? The mm-hmm. one thing that happens that just sends you off your rocker is mm-hmm. that one thing that you can't. In fact, I'm going to have you answer that question. If you could try to <laughs> sum it up. If I could quick, do it really yeah. quick. Um, so what is your trigger in life? What is that one thing that happens to just send you off your rocker? Because you seem very calm. We even meditated before uh-huh. the um, the podcast, which, by the way, guys, is my thing. I make my guests meditate. meditate. It was lovely. Um, it was absolutely lovely. <laughs> um, the thing that triggers me is if I feel like you're insulting my intelligence. Okay. Anything that falls that's under that umbrella, a lot of that is like if you lie to my face, if you do you get what I'm saying? Anything that I feel like you are insulting my logic and my intelligence, it is it, it is blatant disrespect to me. And you finna have it. Yeah. Okay. All right. I like that. Don't I'm smart, bitch. Yeah. Don't insult me. All right. Final four. Four questions in four minutes. I'm setting the timer now. You have four minutes to answer these questions and be thorough. Uh, What is the pettiest thing you've ever done in your life? Ooh, the pettiest. The pettiest thing that I can think of is (sighs) shit, 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 shit. Petty, 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 petty. Oh, recently um, I was. Damn, I don't want to. Girl, just say it. I was going into a, a, a restaurant and I was about to open the door and I noticed this other woman was walking up and she was just going to go through the door that I was about to open and I politely closed the door. <laughs> you are a, a polite petty. <laughs> I just closed the door because something about her energy was like, she she didn't even look at me to like, oh, thank you. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like you're going to let me go. Like, like thank you for oh, she opening didn't even the acknowledge door. You. She didn't even acknowledge it. And so I let that door, I actually stopped opening the door and that made her aware. Oh, she, yeah. she looked like, oh. Oh shit! Yeah. Oh shit, bitch. Now oh, you shit. see. <laughs> you see. I even. You see. I, <laughs> that is hilarious. Um, okay, if you could ask the universe for one thing uh, that you'd have for the rest of your life, mm-hmm. what would it be? It can be an emotion like happiness. It can be something tangible, tangible like money. Anything that you can have for the rest of your life, you wouldn't even have to think about it. It would just be present. What would that thing be? Peace of mind. Peace of mind. Oh my God! Peace of mind. What yeah. does peace of mind mean for you? Peace of mind means that I can truly exist in any moment and 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 accept it for what it is and and be okay with it like I've had great things happen I've had you know money and I'm stressed and I can't sleep and I'm worried and Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel good yeah and so I love just a certain calmness in every situation like truly you know what I'm saying? Because I think peace of mind. Then it's like, of course you're happy. You right. got peace of mind. Of course, of course you're healthy. Of course you're like all of those things that I would ask. They would just fall in place because I got peace of mind. Man, G, I be trying to tell my husband. He like <laughs> he, he always say we're so different, and I'm like we're different because I focus more on the balance of life. I'm mm-hmm. a Libra. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's just how I I operate. I need balance, mm-hmm. so I focus so much on my mental health. And my physical health and he's like we need to make this money and I'm like but that money will come yeah. from me understanding this part of me yeah. versus me going to get that money with the chaos in my brain yeah what's that, the sign 
Uh, my husband's a Leo. He was. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. I'm an Aries and He's I'm like, I'm May like that. Six, 1978. So five, six, seven, eight. Actually, it's his birthday. May 6th? May five, six, seven, eight. So he's a Taurus. Okay. He's so Taurus. he has a light that says Leo. So I thought he was a Leo. <laughs> Maybe that's his rising sign. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I didn't cut into one of your minutes. All right. So if you could have a conversation with one person, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson. Why Yes. That? He was supposed to be my husband. Oh, that's interesting. Yes, I know. I really. So listen, I really thought I was going to marry But your jokes say you want a thug. Well, yeah, Michael Jackson, he was he was the anomaly. Okay, like, he don't okay. look like the type of guy I want. He don't, he, you know what I'm saying? I mean, Michael Jackson is old enough to be my father. Yeah. Like, but still, I thought I was going to marry Michael Jackson. I mean, I even to the point where I used to walk myself through scenarios like, okay, what if you wake up and like his, what if you guys are like sleeping next to each other and like his nose falls off? Or <laughs> like, I mean, I had these like, do you know, like these <laughs> situations, I'm like, what will you do, Zainab? How will you not make him feel uncomfortable? Oh my God. And like, it was never like a sexualized fantasy, but it was like, he is the greatest entertainer that I have ever, am- you know what I'm saying? He that makes me amazing. feel s- a, a very specific way with his talent and, and I need to be with him forever. And so I would just want to, I would just want to sit and talk to him. I would want to sit and really, really That is a very him. interesting pick. I wasn't expecting that. All right. And last but not least, and I stole this from Oprah. I say this every time. Oprah, I'm on my way to being you. I'm going to be like <laughs> you and Tony Robbins, a love child. Anywho, if you could go back in time and tell your 16-year-old self a piece of advice, what would that advice be? Something you've learned to date and you can say, if you knew this, everything will be okay growing up. Everything will be okay for the rest of your life. What would that be? Uh... The strongest thing you have is to be authentically you. And so be that. Be that. I would tell my 16-year-old self that there are going to be some things that seem popular, that seem like on trend, that seem like that's the way. But the, the way that you'll get any success, any happiness, any peace that you want, you have to be authentically you. You have to be true to you. That is the only way you will succeed. I love that. That's I love what I tell that. my 16 year old. So. Thank you so much, Zaynab, for being for on the me. show today. I really appreciate it. Tell them where they can find you. I give them your handles, Instagram, Twitter, all of that good stuff. Absolutely. You guys, on every single social media platform, I am at Zaynab Johnson. So that's Z A I N A B Johnson. My website is zaynabjohnson.com. Um, and that has like any sort of tour dates that I have, um, anything that I have going on, you can check me out there. Great. Thank you so much again. Um, I appreciate you for being here. This was great, Kelly. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. I'm really excited uh, to put this out on Tuesday. Uh, just so you guys know, you know I have my album taping coming up on November 15th. If you are in the Chicagoland area or if you're not and you want to travel, come on down. It's going to be at Timothy Old Tools, November 15th. Two shows, 7 p.m. and 9.30. It is going to be amazing. Why? Because <laughs> I'll be there. So be sure to check that out. Um, thank you guys for listening. You know I love you so much. Kelly Talks, I'm out. I want to thank our sponsors, She Funny, a platform created to encourage funny women of color to be empowered in their funny by offering various resources and online visibility. And also our friends here at Cards Against Humanity for their hospitality and donated studio space. I appreciate you both. Nothing